her bravery is symbol or is uh, epitomized by her do, you know she, her encounter with the jonaga affiliates but no one really dare to explain who jonagas are so jonagas are jonaga mapila so the main my word mapila i think everybody are aware of the word mapila from kerala and in this region of northern malabar and the kadathanadu region in nadapuram nadapuram is still existing place and so the there it was jonaga mapilas who were creating trouble for the women and children who were passing through that area she was resolved to end the menace of the hooligans and she replied to her mother in law that born in the famous putturam family as the fearless daughter of kannappan adorned with valor and courage i can't stay back like a coward unniyarcha was very confident and she, she took this uh, rafi this jonagas this rowdies down single handedly i am today talking about um a um, famous woman for all those who are from kerala who speak malayalam are very well uh, aware of i have been growing up hearing the stories of this famous woman a uh, courageous woman from kerala her name is unniyarcha so her story is associated with the martial art of kalari payattu which entire world knows that is originated from kerala and uh, so this uh, stories of the heroes and heroines uh, are the stories of kalari maestros their chivalry and their uh, legends has been an oral tradition of folklore tradition in kerala and those entire stories have been collected in forms of a ballads known as vadakkan paattukal that means the ballads of the north vadakku is north so these are the ballad if i translate it into english clearly it is the ballads of northern malabar the songs praising the heroes and heroines of northern malabar mainly people belonging to naya and tiya caste has been those heroes and heroines tiya caste is uh, often clubbed with the irava caste and uh, you know the difference between tiya and irava has been a lot of the time in the modern narrative of caste and uh, the reservation narrative have been uh, clubbed together with irava caste of southern kerala but the social status and the uh, their um, the history and the legacy of tias has been quite contrary to the narrative of you know upper caste lower caste narrative conundrum first we we have been uh, you know the known in our normal life in india so the uh, ballad this vadakkan paattukal i would like to call vadakkan paattukal itself throughout so vadakkan paattukal uh, mostly you know the most famous families depicted in the vadakkan paattukal are the house putturam known as putturam veedu in malayalam 
and house of tacholi manikot mepayil taravad and our protagonist unniyarchai belongs to putturam house and according to the famous uh, historian dr chelatu achudh menon this putturam paattugal or the ballads ballads which are uh, ex, uh, you know mentioning or which are praising the valor of the people from heroes from putturam house can be older as older as or maybe even earlier than 12th or 13th century and most of the uh, people or the heroes and heroines from which are who are praised in the vadagan paattugal they belong to kadathanadu kolathanadu and vayanadu and the songs have been propagated by a community known as paana paana community they went around people belonging to this caste went around and used to sing the songs that's how it has been propagated and i think almost every malayali has been hearing you know one or the other songs in their life so this is a short in briefing about the the reference for the story of unniyarcha our heroine so the people who were the kalari payattu masters belonging to these houses who were who are revered as five great fighters great warriors are known as chegavar in malayalam so chegavar are those they uh, and most of this they comes from this kadathanadu region which is in the current badagara taluk in kolikko district which is the region between mayali river which is uh, mayali river is the river flowing through mahi the which is part of pondicherry erstwhile french colony which it belong it's in between kolikkod and kannur district and korapura that's the river which flows through which divides the um, uh, you know after kolikkod you will this korapura is the region where, which demarcate kadathanadu region so the chegavar most of the chegavars are from this area and chegavars are the heroes or the kalari payat experts warriors who has been fighting on behalf of rulers so if the some rulers have some disputes they don't go and set out a big war by themselves what they do is they send their warrior their one fighter the other one also send their fighter and these two fighters will have a duel which is called angam so the angam between or the duel between these two fighters in the kalari tradition will settle the dispute who wins according to their victory the dispute is settled and as a reward the fighter would be getting enormous rewards wealth from the ruler who has became victorious due to the fighter's ability so that means all these fighters all these kalari payath uh, chegava families has been very rich especially those who were excelling in their art they were very rich so there were total 42 kalaris in the region and the putturam house controlled 18 and another 
I'm talking about this time, the time of Unyarcha, the Putturam house controlled 18 Kalari uh, and Aring uh, order is another famous Kalari master of the time. So Putturam house, uh, head of the family was known as Kannapachegavar, father of Unyarcha. He controlled 42 calories and uh, uh, no, among the 42 calories, 18 calories he controlled and uh, seven was controlled by Aring order and the rest were divided among the other Chegava families. So now we come to the, uh, come to Unni Archa. So Unni Archa, her name is Archa. Unni Archa. So Archa is very famous name in Kerala. Unniyarcha is very famous in Kerala and often a synonym for courage. So when a girl is very courageous, then people call her Unniyarcha in Kerala. The fears, the, she has become the symbol of bravery, beauty and fierce independence. So as daughter of Kannapa Chegavar and her, she had two brothers, Aromal Chegavar and Unnikan. And there was uh, her cousin, Chandu, was also living with them. And as the wife, as the uh, daughter of the famous, most famous successful Kalari uh, maestro, and the sister of the uh, current, the present times, most successful uh, Chegava, Unniyarcha also was not very bad in the art of Kalari Python. She was also equally trained in the tradition. And when she was of age, she was married off to the another one big family known as Atumanamel. There, the son named Kunjiraman, who was also a Kalari Ashan means he was also teaching the next generation. So he was also if, as fitting a groom for Unniyarcha. And then there is some side story which says that, so in Kerala, the tradition is has been that the um, sister, you know, the cousins used to marry the fathers, you know, the aunt's son and can marry the um, uncle's daughter, you know, that kind of. So, I don't know if, uh, so that, uh, along with that, so Chandu had some interest in Unniyarcha. That's what they say. But Unniyarcha has been so beautiful and so the best uh, among the all the women around. So, in, naturally, anyone can have some interest in her. So, in our songs, the Vadakan Patagal about Unniyarcha is uh, continuing about the, the story. It starts with uh, uh, a dream Unniyarcha had on a fine morning. With that, she... Uh, so, she wake up in the early in the morning and uh, do does all her job work, household works. Uh, clean the courtyard, do all the pujas and uh, take, you know, take a bath and then do the puja and everything and make the food. And then he go and she go and uh, wake up her father-in-law and inform, tell him that the festivals of the nearby temples, the famous temples there, the Kut 
ഇൻ അല്ലിമലർക്കാവ് വിളക്ക് ഇൻ അയ്യപ്പൻകാവ് ആൻഡ് വേലപൂരം ഇൻ അഞ്ചനക്കാവ് സോ ദീസ് ത്രീ ഫെസ്റ്റിവൽസ് ആർ കമ്മിങ് ആർ ദർ ആൻഡ് ആഫ്റ്റർ കമ്മിങ് ഫ്രം പുത്തൂരം ഹൗസ് മൈ ഓൺ ഹൗസ് ടു ദു അറ്റുമണമേൽ ഐ ഹാവ് ഇൻ ബീൻ അറ്റൻഡ് എനി ഓഫ് ദീസ് ഫെസ്റ്റിവൽസ് ദ വുമൻ ഫ്രം ദ നെയ്ബർഹുഡ് ആർ ഓൾ ഗോയിങ് സോ ഐ വുഡ് ലൈക്ക് ടു ഗോ ദൻ that's how the, the song uh, goes on as this conversation and then the uh, father in law says oh it's not possible for you to go because it's so dangerous it's so dangerous to go to this uh, temples because on the way there is a place called nadapuram and in the market in the angadi of nadapuram there are some ruffians there is a disturbance regular disturbances from certain ruffians who are known as jonaga so these jonagas has been uh eve teasing the women women and, and also abducting good looking women and children so it's not safe to go through that area mother in she then asked the mother in law also she too to, to warned her the same then she asked her husband husband also tells it's dangerous to go through that area so here i would like to explain a bit about the jonagas because everyone all all overall we have been hearing the unyar unyarcha's story unyarcha's bravery has been praised everywhere even in our university syllabus there is and there all it is been explained that uh, you know her bravery is symbol or is uh, epitomized by her do, you know she, her encounter with the jonaga ruffians but no one really dare to explain who jonagas are so jonagas are jonaga mapila so the main my word mapila i think everybody are aware of the word mapila from kerala it means bridegroom so that was a courteous title mapila was a courteous title given to the foreign merchants and immigrants to the malabar coast so the native hindus gave was using this term mapila to address any foreign merchants and immigrants in the coast in the malabar region but then they had to dis- differentiate between the various types of mapilas so jonaga or yavanaga mapila was the name used for the muslims muslim merchants and settlers and nasrani mapila has been the name still nasrani is the name used for depicting the christian the syrian christians who has been merchants who has been settled in kerala coast then comes the juda mapala so juda is jew yehuda yuda mapala so these three different kinds of mapalas were there and in this region of northern malabar the kadathanadu region in nadapuram nadapuram is still existing place and so the there it was jonaga mapalas who were creating trouble for 
the women and children who were passing through that area. These gangs, uh, as I looked into it a bit further, what I understood is that there has been some connection between why or they, they there wasn't a too much number of Jonaga Mapulas existing in the region. Like, you know, currently the in region are uh, more uh, Mapulas, but that all happened later during Tipu's invasion and the Marapa riots and all. But at this 12th, 13th, 14th, 16th century and all, Mapulas were not that the majority or anything. So still they were doing kind of this kind of abduction and, uh, you know, the women, taking the women and children. It can be connected with the Arabic slave trade. Because according to the various historical records, we can see that uh, Malabar coast had real close count and, uh, connection between with the Arabian uh, trade. Not, you know, they have, Arabs were having regular trade with the Malabar coast. And uh, many infamous slave trade middlemen were also having close connection with the Malabar coast. And uh, in Malabar manual, I have seen that uh, some uh, uh, a passing reference regarding uh, how the local Maplas and the Mukuas, or some fishermen were um, involved in connected with this middlemen. So this Anadaburam, uh, the Jonaka ruffians who have been uh, disturbing the women and children in the region of the Nadaburam might have been connected with the slave trade, in, I think. As I told earlier, Unniarcha expressed her decision, des desire to, you know, attend the temple festivals these three temples, but referring the Jonaga ruffians, the family tried to dissuade her. But then she wasn't, Unniarcha wasn't ready to back off just because some gangsters, some hooligans are creating trouble. She was resolved to end the menace of the hooligans and she replied to her mother-in-law, that born in the famous Putturam family as the fearless daughter of Kanapan, adorned with valor and courage, I can't stay back like a coward. So that was her resolution. See, she decided that, uh, I mean, it's not, it's a shame that I I'm, uh, stay back at home fearing the some uh, lawlessness. It, that is that that we cannot if we are uh, hiding inside how long and that will be only empowering these people that might have been the thought which went through Uniarcha's mind and she got dressed and tied her urumi in the, on, on her body urumi is that uh, long uh, sword which is which has which is sharp on the both ends both sides it's like a belt, you know, long and uh, ribbon-like uh, sword, a whip-like sword. So she wore it. It can be worn close to the body like a belt. So she wore it inside her clothing. And then her husband, Kunyiraman, accompanied her 
to the festival they didn't send her alone or anything they they went with her he went with, he she went with her husband and while passing through this nadapuram bazaar the jonagam apple rowdies saw her and seeing her beauty they decided to take her and present her to their moopan moopan is moopan is a word, local slang used for the chieftain so they decided to capture her and they try to attack kunjiram and her husband was a bit nervous and she started he but unniyarcha was very confident and she, she took this uh, rafi this jonagas this rowdies down single handedly and to the husband who was a bit uh, reluctant and a bit uh, worried and afraid and nervous was shivering in the but the vadakan particular is a bit harsh about him that they were telling he was he was shivering to him she says i a woman doesn't shiver then why do you a man tremble it doesn't matter if thousands come to attack i belong to the putturam family have you ever heard of the women in putturam sending their men to be killed means chegavar all the men in their families are chegavars who go for fighting so when you go for a fight you don't know if the he you will come back alive so you are ready to die when you go for a fight then when she she is asking that have you ever heard of a woman in putturam sending their women to be killed that really explains the confidence of the or confident or the efficiency of the people of men of putturam or the you know where they are they are very much sure about their victory unniyarcha fought these rowdies through her kalari performances and announced to this uh, ruffians that how dare you people attack the sister of aromal chegavar and also told if you continue this kind of nuisances in the area you will there will be dire consequences hearing the name of aromal chegavar or hearing knowing that when they came to know that who she is that she belongs to the putturam house and also they tasted the her efficiency in um, martial arts she the uh, what you say that the mapla this jonaga rowdies came down kneeled before her because they had no other choice the panicked gang leader tried to you know mellow her down and they fell on her feet and apologized and presented her with several gifts that's how the song goes on so with this story she became the symbol of female valor in the kerala culture so the major takeaway from the story of unniyarcha is that it ha- she ha- might have been responsible for 
suppressing or at least rising against rising up against the malabar coast arabic slave trade trade by the mapalas and also the extreme courage she showed she has shown in but that confidence she got in my opinion from her education from her upbringing that she has been taught the martial tradition or the you know the fight taught how to fight if you know how to fight you won't need to worry about some ruffians on the street if you don't know to fight if you don't have that uh, confidence then you have to worry and you have to shut yourself at inside the home so that says a lot about why it's not about that the woman has to tell that oh women are so capable so men should completely go away you know be or take a backstage and women are so capable that's not the point just telling that won't help current days nowadays uh, the feminist uh, empowerment of women is like uh, somebody come and empower the women but the women are basically not pow- empowered enough any enough to take care of themselves but instead what happens is that they want others to go down and they they want to show that i am empowered by pushing others downwards but that's not what unyarcha stands for niyarcha was an empowered woman because she see the story says she went to the um she was a good wife and a, a daughter in law in the house she she did all the cleaning and uh, puja and you know cooking she did her th- job household chores and then she decided to go she asked the permission so the ground for not giving permission was something which she could overcome because she could fight she know she knew how to fight mm, so there is a but people blindly decide oh unyarcha is a warrior woman this is we always praise a lot of warrior women and also shows that being a warrior is woman is the uh, embodiment of being an empowered woman but a warrior knowing to fight doesn't mean that she was absolved of all the other aspects of her womanhood she was doing she was living uh, her life as well as she was knowing the art of the uh, uh, the art of how to fight both were complementary so then the story goes again a bit more where uh, unniyarcha's brother aromal had to f- engage in a duel with the another kalari master named aringodar in for that fight chandu the cousin accompanied aromal chegavar unniyarcha's brother and he betrayed aromal so instead of uh, iron nail he put a wooden nail on the in the sword of aromal because of which the sword got broken and aromal was killed in the fight unniyarcha's advice before her brother and cousin went for the duel or the ankam is also a noteworthy um, conversation so what she told is while my brother is going for the duel you are the so she is telling that to the cousin 
you are the companion going with him when he is on the pedestal for the fight do keep vigil and be right beside him when the substitutes churiga strikes it will hit only through the middle if forged churiga is given hit through right first substitutes churiga will be thrown off so she is advising how to in her advice there is a hint regarding if the churiga if that sword is forged so it's a maybe she has foreseen, foreseen what may come maybe that's why she gave this advice regarding a forged sword if the substitute is giving a forged sword anyway whatever she expected has had happened her brother died brother was killed in that fight so rest of her life was led in vengeance so she had a son aromal unni and her brother aromal chegavar son kannappan unni so these two children unniyarcha took care of these two children she trained and she sent them to avenge her brother's death that's the another facet of unniyarcha's life so she sent these boys of putturam to chop chandu chegavar's her cousin's chandu's head so before sending them for chopping chandu's head she gives another she what she said to these two boys that if you die fighting i will receive your body in silken clothes and give you a proper funeral but if you receive an arrow from a hidden foe i will wrap you in green leaves and will perform no ceremonies that is what her she tell them before they go for fighting anyway the boys went and uh, brought back chandu's head and settled the vendetta and unniyarcha grew older an old archa old aged archa her son aromalanni offered her support his support to her his mother as she was going to omalur another in in a temple for sitting for bhajana there so spend her time old old age by in the feet of the gods sitting in a temple for doing bhajan and then the son felt maybe son might have felt bad like why my mother is going somewhere else for aged mother so he offered her his support but then she told your mother needed no support in her bloom so when she was young and thriving at that time she didn't need any support so now also she don't need any support that's what she told but she anyway advised him that uh, on the seventh day of seven, after seven days come to the temple so after seven days the son reaches the temple and he sees the mother's body lying there so she was dead she she even may have foreseen her death so unniyarcha died of old age that's what the vadakan particle says in the temple in her region in omallur temple
But anyway, uh, so this is the story of Unniyarcha. But anyway, for uh, re, you know, in the modern age, there has been several distortions, several you know alterations in the narrative of in the narrative in the depiction of Unniyarcha story by various interests. Some out of their fantasy, some out of their vested interest. So the first uh, distortion happened in the popular culture. So I say there is a lot, there are a lot of um, several Malayalam movies, super hit Malayalam movies have been made based on the Vadakan Patagar. Stories of various heroes and heroines. Even about Unniyarcha's story also, there have been several movies. So one of the famous super hit movie is known as Oru Vadakkan Veeragada. So it was in my childhood. So it was not very old, some in 90s maybe or end of 80s. So this in this movie became super hit and the protagonist, the main hero was Mammooti in that. He got national award. So for best actor. So this movie's script writer was M.T. Vasudevan Naya, who is a very renowned Malayalam writer. But the M.T., I don't know. I mean, some accuse him of being an Hindu for Hindu for Bandol, but I personally haven't seen, seen, haven't been thinking, you know, finding a, that much vested Hindu phobia in him, rather than I think he has been projecting his personal. You know, a writer can be, especially fiction writers, can may not be really, uh, you know, writing with the vested interest or any atrocity, any antithetical mindset. They might be just, you know, projecting their uh, psychological, uh, you know, uh, leanings and, and all in the protagonist or in the storyline. That most of the time, that might be the reason for many of the fiction writers. But those who write history as fiction, <laughs> that is different aspect. But so MT, I personally believe MT has not been a very Hindu form, but he always had been rooting for an underdog. In all his stories or whatever he writes, there he was a kind of a bit uh, rooting for the underdog. That psychology has been there, maybe out of his personal life. That's what I understand. I have read all his books. So that has been my opinion about him. So in this story, so always in he has written a, a great novel as a literary work. It's a very awesome work. But in this, he look through the eyes of Bhima, the one who has been always in the second position, who never could be praised as the best because of you know some people always all although they are they are also the one of the they are also very good they cannot be the best because somebody else might be having getting all the praises so looking bima in that angle he had written but in that some passing uh, disfigurement of draupadi is there that also i think he has it might be his in my uh, opinion it can be a psychological you know his uh, interest or his 
personal interest in you know going a bit low about women so rather than going anti hindu so mt's this oru vadakan veeragada the mt was mt was the one i was the script writer so in this movie the movie is about chandu the cousin chandu who has been mistaken misunderstood by the world because the story have been always narrated praising the main people the you know that with that, so that is the feeling we get watching the movie but it's not just that to glorify chandu what mt did is mt demoralized you know not mt assassinated the character of unniyarcha so she is the reason for all the you know the for why chandu became bad that is what he wanted to prove so in the movie he shows that unniyarcha is actually wooing chandu but married when went and married kunniraman and still she tried to woo chandu again so chandu always had this lost love for unniyarcha which uh, you know he became because he is not rich and everything he couldn't get unniyarcha played him and then later when the uh, sons the boys went to and took the head of chandu that see there also they shows that uh, chandu who is old and uh, who had no ill feeling towards anybody who is so great so what he did is he just gave his egg head to to the children telling that uh, chandu is anyway is born to be defeated because chandu is not the main character of the family so always chandu is born to be defeated chandu is been defeated by the woman he heal out so that it's all nice you know when in the movie set up and all when we look it's so awesome you know that's very spirit you get the very that angry heroes you know kind of emo- emotion for a successful movie there's a good masala but this became the popular narrative or the po- in the popular eyes then onwards what happened unniyarcha became a woman who betrayed her the love who who has been immoral so the character of unniyarcha of so she was a great great fighter a great warrior woman but she was lecherous too that became the narrative that actually reduced to the sobha the glory of her character which in turn added to the guilt consciousness of hindus in in my opinion because then you feel like uh, yeah anyone uh, yeah, there, there was one warrior woman the great woman you know but oh she has been not with a, of a good character then you cannot get be proud of her no? i think indirectly that happened or maybe even with movies and all or it happens you know the people who analyze things also what they they have westerners most of this think uh, most of these intellectuals who analyze have always western interests so those people have uh, added to the wound i think so this has been a one big big 
distortion which knowingly or unknowingly which reduced to the image of umniyarcha into a very low level then recently may not be much or maybe a, not even a decade i think there has been another trend which comes through with the so called subaltern studies you know when this subaltern uh, historiography is the st- culture came in the, into the academic circle distortion and uh, demeaning the our icons and we have become a regular trend rather than the earlier even the marxists were not that bad in marxists may have hid lot of things they might have been silent in lot of aspects they might have glorified certain people like aurangzeb and all maybe but they might they have they were not as efficient in you know demeaning bringing fiction as history you know that very much bringing stories out of nowhere and or creating new narratives in such a way that even uh, even they themselves cannot believe but still they peddle the uh, story without any evidence so that kind of very very bad like this wendy donegas uh, depiction of our gods or the um, um what do you say the durga puja time either was a mahishasur you know durga devi was depicted as a prostitute who went and enticed this uh, dalit icon like mahishasur and you know that kind of demeaning of our uh, symbols and icons and stories so along with that unniyarcha also was not spared so the story of unniyarcha they did they started to weave a new uh, side for the later life of unniyarcha in which they tell she has been uh, taken by tipu because she married tipu the unniyarcha who has been either she was in 12th or 13th century she was living in or maximum 16th century never after than 16th century that's for sure but tipu came in came and attacked in kerala or the malabar coast on in a 70 end of 1700 1790 something so that's in the 18th century mm. so 200 more years unniyarcha lived and when became the wife of tipu that's what these people uh, says so they say unniyarcha when so it doesn't stop in unniyarcha being the wife of tipu it doesn't stop in that they say she got a son she got son in tipu and then after tipu was killed she became the part consort of the wadayar so anyway every sultans were having a big harem that we know even if they were they have captured some women from the place and uh, took them to the harem i don't think every woman in the harem was considered as wives or i don't know or even then unniyarcha who has been living 200 300 years ago before might not have been his 
wife or even in a member of have uh, you know taken in imprisoned in the harem but in order to make unniyarcha as you know di- disfigure unniyarcha disfigure this woman character who has been very strong and strong willed and uh, independent and the later this academicians from the academicians what's happening there are a lot of papers like that they spread in the story of that unniyarcha one guy one manandheril baskar this guy has written a book also and he uh, claims himself to be a descendant of unniyarcha so that that makes it makes his book authentic no what he writes become authentic you don't need to give any proof if he claims to be a descendant so these are how they bring in narratives so they say unniyarcha was became tipu's wife but i think it might have been might be a way of you know taking revenge for the defeat they faced in adabara because unniyarcha defeated their sinister uh, gang which has been take, abducting the local women local women were all hindu women of course so that is really a black mark for their you know they try to high you know project the the uh, themselves to be the most emancipator of everything in the world most liberal then this they can so about this slave trade connections also there is not much references available because this aspect is not well studied nobody is interested we have to be interested and we have to study because the even even about the transatlantic trade slave trade the slave trade from our african continent by the arabs and the later europeans colonials it has been well documented because it, there have been good research on it because it uh, the people who conduct the studies have some interest in it but the adding the western coast of india into it is not adding to their interest so they everyone ignore that aspect along with that demoralizing the women icons not just ordinary human women icons even our goddesses not just that not just our um uh what you say characters and the goddesses women and goddesses but the people who worship goddess the communities who worship goddesses were also are also regularly systematically you know depicted as immoral under the colonial morality and an attempt to you know destroy their pride the guilt tripping is going on and kalari paite also has been a victim of that kind of a colonial morality not in the modern age but during the british time the kalari tradition of the northern malabar was the reason why there has been a very strong opposition to the european conquerors especially the against the british you have heard of payashi raja he was from vainad and this uh, kannur region the kurichias that are uh, the local forest dwelling uh, adivasis of uh, 
the region they were they are very good in archery and the nayars all very good in kalari so the, the martial tradition of the region the kalari tradition of the region was the reason why they could give a real fight against the british same is about the every other uh, parts of india wherever there has been early uprisings against britishers they all were having real good martial traditions and most of these martial traditions or martial communities are goddess worshipers so even in the kalari tradition also the shakti shakteya uh, worship system is there inside a kalari there is a uh, corner where goddess is consecrated so it's clearly a very uh, entire feminine energy is there in with the martial traditions so demoralizing and uh, decaptivating this uh, communities was essential for the colonial powers to survive for that because of that it was kalari paitu was banned in uh, for a long and later i think after independence only again everyone could freely practice but still the tradition has been survived because it was preserved by the practitioners in the courtyards inside the houses you know so now we again see a, a lot of uh, you know lot of kalaripait uh, performance and now kalaripait became a performance it's not a self defense or anything it's just became a performance that's also an indirect demoralizing the our the community so that you don't stand up when there is injustice happening against you you cannot stand up if you don't have that pride or you know if you don't you are you don't have that uh, courage inside you so the mental strength is the most important strength rather than physical strength so for that what they do is they use the female you know the the sexuality you use that as sexual aspect and make assassinate the character you know bring in immorality and reduce the and and that makes the followers and the adherents and all very ashamed but in any case the tradition of kalari paitu had always women learning it practicing it and as a testimony we can see the few years ago meenakshi amma uh, now she is 70 years i think you have may have seen if you search in youtube and you can see a woman uh, doing kalari kalari paitu wearing sari so meenakshi amma was honored by padma award by the government of india so from unni archa to meenakshi amma there is a long line of women who have been trained in this art so this is what i that this much is what i would what i say so if there is any question or, or anything we can we can ask amazing session i just loved it um unfortunately i don't know we have so much wealth in our country and this is the first time i'm hearing about the story uh the moment i got sangam talks email i 
you know, it's a, it's a very good or a bad habit. We always go and Google. And the first story I read was what you said. You know, a beautiful, um, you know, story that we would love to generate. You know, tell our next generation. And the next thing is the controversy that I read that you talked about. Uh, so uh, when we talk about this thing, there are also other rumors to say that when you said that her husband was also. Uh, a ma- if not maestro i think of a similar caliber when it comes to uh, kalari uh, art yeah, he was a master he oh. has been running kalari uh, you know he has been training also all right uh, so there were a couple of articles where they say that while he was a wise man he was not as brave or as proficient as his wife and hence they bring is bring this whole uh, narrative of you know a conflict between husband and wife so this is one article that i read today and it it completely deviates from the main story so if you could just elaborate on that one uh the second one is you talk uh, yeah we can finish the question no that's all right please go ahead so your views on this one then maybe i, I can ask more questions yeah so the basic thing is that uh, each say when i look at something i will be seeing it from my perspective then my interpretation always will be guided by my own experience or my attitude right niyarcha was a very great warrior because she has been trained by one the most the best one of the best trainer of the time and trained along with the best fighter of the time her brother and her father so she had the best she was the best she being the best may have a little bit uh, you know uh, diminished the uh, ability or the glow the shine of her husband that doesn't mean that he is like some you know um, that's all about the com- comparison in comparison with unyarcha he may have a, a bit less shiny that, see that doesn't mean that he is not he didn't have any shine that's what i understand but when you look you when people who look only in this linear thing you know who see things only at black and white when they sunyarcha's so husband was not as good as sunyarcha doesn't mean that he was very bad sunyarcha was the best one being the best means the other one being the second best might have been the second best but that doesn't make that person better than the other person because the other person is really best but really good hmm but what we people would go on is that if she is he is not as good as her immediately he is so bad see if you are i am not first first rank but that doesn't mean that i failed no so that's how it should be because her she hers was an arranged marriage of course when the father this great father and you know they all have their that much rich they are from a rich family they have all the command in this command and everybody was desiring to marry her definitely he won't she won't be married to some beggar her parents would be would have been married her off to equally or if not the best no if not the if the best if not better than them or equal or at least equal to them they won't send nobody send their daughters to somebody who is very much bad lower than them in arranged marriages so my common sense is 
you know, seeing things like this. But the distortion, see, most of this, that's what I told. I have seen most of these uh, um, people, you know, they they are like that. For them, if there is, if something is not white, then it's black. <laughs> they don't have anything in between, especially when they're def- defining things in, uh, you know, about uh, may, this gender or the historical narratives. There and all, everything is very straight line nothing between so that is a maybe i actually in my talk i wanted to tell actually that uh, we have started our shaktita foundation also to talk so this unniyarcha's the story i have written as an article in shaktita's blog so what we uh, do in uh, aim, what we aim at shaktita is also this you know bring in all these famous uh, all these real you know the counter the distortions on this shakti aspect or the fem- about the female worship and the so because the worshiping female is something which cannot be digested by the monotheists it's very difficult for them to digest so that's the basic core uh, of our traditions or our uh, of hindu uh, civilization which the um, colonial uh, this monotheistic traditions would like to attack that's the that theme worship of the goddess is the basic uh, aspect which clearly keep us distinct and the, that is why even those uh, there elements who are Uh, you know not even not other religion the people who are following the monotheistic religion the traditional monotheist religion like christian islam or anything but those who are following the neo monotheistic religion the religion of constitution the secular democratic religion progressive religion they also first go against the goddess or the goddess based uh, Uh, systems the tantrika systems the shaktaya traditions which we saw in shabrimala and uh, tripura every that is another aspect also we are seeing nowadays it's all connected basically because the basic um, uh, target the primary target is our uh, goddess worshiping system which if that is removed then now that is annihilated it's easy to digest because this is what makes even in europe medieval europe that the women centric system where which was been attacked the which and through inquisition and which hunt when you talked about vilifying i i forgot the gentleman's name i think you said mtr who actually has mt vasudevan nayar right um i think the similar way has happened to draupadi also somehow she is uh, nowadays she is not just a reason for mahabharata but even to say that the reason why uh, duryodhan behaved in a way is because she uh, provoked him yeah. so this is the way we vilify you know the women that we and our sabhita says that these are the five women to river and here they are vilifying everyone starting from sita to draupadi and and what not the one thing that you said was very interesting when you said that marxists are comparatively better than subalterns but then don't you think it is the same wolf with a different skin uh it's just that the methodology probably has changed the uh, methodology changed because the uh, 
You see, it's all what I understand. What happens in the West, especially in the US now? Now it is US. Their priorities and their internal dynamics changes. Then they want to, uh, you know, re-fabricate, uh, refurbish everything so that uh, they can uh, safely continue what they are doing without creating much uh, question on them. And the subaltern studies has been a tool to that there what they do is that those uh, system is enabling them them to you know bring voice for the their minorities or marginalized but that is you exactly used against us to empower destructive forces because the here the intention is different that but the our uh, intellectual uh, arena the academicians they all are kind of vassals they don't have originally they, they don't there is no school of thought original originated in india no in the modern world i'm not talking about our ancient systems or our hindu system but in the modern academy there is no school of thought or there is no, no original thinking from india indian academicians so what happens is that whatever whatever is originated in the west whatever theory, the, uh, theories came in the west that all are actually made for the uh, based on the exp experiences of the western uh, culture or western uh, setup they just take it here and uh, uh, you know put the old wine in the new bottle you know they put the, so even the marxist you when the the term marxist itself became out of fashion they had to make it make a new new form but then the methodology also changed and the old mark the romila thapar and all is not not any more uh, the main people so whoever became the uh, uh, took over the space of jnu or you know became the professors what the professor think and what the professor teach that would be the uh, uh, basic idea propagated by the student a phd student phd candidate has to follow what the professor says otherwise you, are, you don't get the phd so definitely you will be the propagator so that is it but when we look at the gradation what marxists did we always together say we always tend to say marxist is to marxists are doing this marxists are doing that even our textbooks are no longer marxist marxists have it changed ncrt everything changed from marxist historiography to subaltern long ago and in that subaltern narrative even right wing are falling into it the current government also have you know it doesn't matter which government or what which what who is ruling the people who are in the spaces where they can decide on what should be in the textbooks or what should be in the general narrative where these elements are there they may not be marxist so we won't be thinking that oh they are not marxist so they are okay but they are they are also thinking along this line especially this uh, regarding this uh, as i told the co colonial morality which i say because the all these uh, judgments and the, everything comes from the court is only a one side of it but before a judgment to come there has been the case going on and for that there have been already a narrative building process happened 
and that narrative building process happens for taking long long time and there these subalterns are the major players for example this breast tax story you might have heard and you see durga puja making durga devi distorting durga devi draupadi also is as you said distorting draupadi so draupadi shared five husbands so why not uh, you know why we that is you all these are taken and used to uh, used in a different sense no one is ready to do, that's also because i think our the right sense of it is not given there is not much opportunity to give in instill the right sense into the public into the general the children in the families now with the internet things are changing you know our social media things are changing if you agree with you that we don't have original thinkers now we are more in a reactive phase something happens and then we make a hue and cry but we don't have critical thinking to say that okay our oral tradition needed stories but it's time to actually decipher and find out what the story really means um so while we don't have original thinkers why why do you think there are so many takers for this distorted story so for example the same uh, what you narrated today such a beautiful story today when i was reading looking for articles i found only one article which was similar to what you said and four articles with a distortion and one article was very funny where the person narrated 15 reasons why this uh, the story cannot be true which means that tipu abducted the women and kept him in the uh, harem and then later on married her and there were so many reasons historical events where he said that the wodeyar family back then the person the supposedly person who should have take, undertaken her was born somewhere around, i think 1794 and tipu died in 1799 then to say that he was uh, you know there were three wives that tipu had all of them died before he died and uh, of course the oral tradition and the ballad that is there but he says yes there is a reason for us to actually go and further investigate it however he himself has stated 15 reasons why this cannot be true this distortion cannot be true yet the conclusion is you know it gives us a new thought let's go and you know find out the truth behind it so why there are so many takers for this distortion which has no proof but too many speculations first of all the thing is if some anjali do something somewhere and later on say say anjali did that and they call they take me and say that this is then this and that anjali are saying i think about unniyarcha might that might have been the case because unniyarcha is not a very you know only one person in this entire world had one this name but what varakan vartagal this ballads talk about is this one unni archa which is the uh, you know icon but there can could have been another unni archa maybe hmm? but for that you need to have a visual thinking to think like this first of all the people who write stuffs hmm, especially those journalists if you are having this visual thinking you will be jobless basic thing is bread and butter that's a simple thing there is no in, there no need for any intellectual uh, you know uh, analysis and interpretation about why these people are doing this these people are doing this just because they want to survive in this world they want to live a very high quality life in terms of materialistically high quality life they need to have regular salary they need to have name fame you know career advancement so 
if you want to advance in your journalistic career or in a career in your me in a media you need to be toe at a particular line and that line that is why if you don't want to be like that then you might have might be ready ready to settle your ambitions you cannot be uh, as ambitious as barkadat and as idealistic as us you know you cannot have both that's the basic reason why all these people are why you see the distorted narrative more than the real narrative hmm? no one pays you for writing the real narrative anymore and if you are such a person no one will give you any job no one will when some media company become uh, in a financial crisis the first ones them layoff will be those kind of people those journalists who are um, ready to draw the line this the you know what the editor like and why the editor like such lines then only he can survive as an editor so money is the basic matter and money comes more a money and prestige prestige we see you getting a scholarship in america is prestigious you getting a scholarship in india who cares so if you are very ambitious in your career getting a scholarship in america is what makes you great so you do what helps you to get scholarship or grant from american foundations that is there that so that is why they are most of these people go for this narrative and about in tipus haram might have had a lot of women captured from the malabar region in in malabar region archa is a common name so any anjali see kuch kuch hota hai anjali is not me but if uh, if uh, uh, you put that and this that's how these things happen actually that that's the simple logic i could find that they connect to this kuch kuch hota hai anjali and me together and to tell them my story in a different way then we cannot do anything about that and that is how nowadays these uh, stories are written. not stories actually they don't say it's story they are actually writing and they get credibility the public take most of the public take anything which is written in the normal newspaper as something which is absolute truth and most of the people don't think i don't know i don't know why people don't think because i think so i cannot explain why people don't think like that most of the time they really don't put uh, this all the breaks together same as about the husband somebody's husband being see queen elizabeth uh, i was watching crown so queen elizabeth's husband is not a some simpleton or anything but whatever it may be he is not the king he can not be the king that's how it is there that doesn't mean that she married some stupid guy this is how they explain her husband unyarcha's husband actually the next question is little disturbing because um, unfortunately i learned about mopla genocide much much later because we don't read about this thing in the main narrative yeah and uh, the one disturbing fact when i read the article and hearing from you is that everyone says that you know the malabar coast everyone everything was hunky dory it was only when the caliphate was endangered is when the problem started happening down south and that is when the you know the religious violence the the 
you know, which resulted to Mopla genocide, Hindu genocide uh, by the Mapillas. Mm-hmm. But then when I read the article, I realized that even at that time, a lot of natives were actually fighting for their honor and for their safety from, as you said, from the, um, you know, Arabs or, or from the, uh, uh, the Muslim uh, settlers in Malabar. So if you can see that it dates back to long back, it is not that everything was good. There has always been a native struggle with, with these. And this is not about the Christian settlers. It's not even about the Jew settlers. But the article actually highlights this part also, that there has always been problem there. Then why is it that the main narrative always wants to discredit and say that oh, it only started because of something that happened in, uh, in Turkey uh, in, in 19th century? So, Khilafat and the uh, subsequent Mapla riots uh, cannot be put aside behind the curtain because there is clear-cut records from the British. And the ma- major national leaders like Annie Besant, Ambedkar, they all have criticized it. Mm-hmm. So, there is well, well, very good documentation because of which you cannot completely and also Arya Samaj came down there to do the sh- uh, reconversion processes of the people who have been forcefully converted during the Mapla riots. So because of which they, there is, and it's very long back in the history, in the last century itself. So it's not easy to completely put it aside. Still, they reduced the intensity in the depiction in the general narratives and even the Marxist governments of Kerala have made it into a peasant, Marxist historians made it into a peasant revolt against taxation and portrayed Hindus as the landlords and the, you know they again brought in there this linear black and white dualism and they they whatever they could they did to make it as a freedom fight and the peasant uprising and even honored the rioters as freedom fighters so in this well documented uh, event which happened in the last like this past century could have they could distort that this much then those things which happened even long before, it's easier to distort or completely, you know, put aside. It's easy. That's one aspect. Another thing is, so in care about Kerala, earlier this sort of miscreants and difficulties or fights and that happened, but I don't think it might have been in a wide scale, in a larger scale, which brought in a large scale destruction as it was dur- by, during, through Tipu's attack. Because Tipu's attack was something which really was a real blow. Mm? It brought in a wide scale destruction and it brought in wide scale conversion. So that changed the demography significantly. The other aspects means some people were there, they might have done some troubles, and but easier to suppress. So the local people may not have been in a real situation where they had to be afraid in that large scale. Mm? And also a large scale, the problems also would not have been there. 
but with tipu it was it was a big like a big typhoon attacking it came and a large scale destruction happened lot of temples got destroyed and the demographic changed very drastically and also the lo- local hindus lost their control over the land also because when tipu went british came in to us together so when we look at tipu always everyone look at tipu and then oh the local hindus didn't fight back it's easier to blame the hindus themselves always prefer to guilt trip uh, hindus for not doing that not doing this rather than seeing why that happened mm. so what especially current time if i why i am not doing something i i prefer not to you know blame me or our politicians but um at that time whatever happened you go without even looking into the particular reasons or anything you blanketly blame the hindus for not having enough aastha hindus for not uh, you know hindus for having caste system hindus for you know the having uh, hierarchy in the society oppressive regime of the rulers the rulers going behind you know being lenient towards the non hindus lot of things everyone bring up but when you look at kerala even for the demographic um, figures of kerala everyone blame the current malayalis the current hindus the current hindus are those people who haven't uh, left their religion their community no matter what after all these pro- issues all what happened they are still hindus they are still very uh, you know ritualistic practicing devout hindus so we can, blaming them is kind of a uh, you know shooting the messenger kind of thing you cannot blame blaming them is not the right way because they are the ones who stood no matter what stood there so tipu came and tipu's attack in on on malabar has been an opportunity for the british the british could got control of the malabar british also got control of the travancore although tipu didn't attack travancore the travancore army could defeat tipu but still british could take control hold of travancore through subsidiary alliance and that changed the entire setup of kerala and that is when the christian population also increased so because the british could could have their say whatever happened whether after tipu's attack and before between the time between tipu's attack and the malabar riots the khilafat that time period also had regular uh, attacks on the landlords or the hindu uh, rich hindu families like this naxal kind of attack there is the sridharamanon the most mainstream historian of kerala sridharamanon's book itself is having a passing reference of such incidents where uh, people these gangs come in and kill all the men of a hindu family hindu that was joint family you no know? so they kill all the men take all the women and take all the property that had been happening so the naxals also come in the night they attack i mean they don't take the women or anything the aspect is gone but 
the way the attack i felt it like naxal attack so it was an naxal attack i have uh, heard well it happened in my place so come in this both have very clear the modus operandi has been seen so see same has been what happened in during mapla riots also this it started as khilafat movement they all came together but then they thought okay use this opportunity to take over the property and the women same happened in kashmir also actually we say but the problem is when we what i am saying now if i sitting in a university if i say this my professor may would give me zero mark and not just that may even rebar me completely i will be in great trouble i can sit and say here because i am not worried about any of those things i i am not in such majburi or if i am sitting writing this in a newspaper my editor will cut me off or if i am writing it in a book and trying to publish i won't get a good publisher so i won't be hailed as a author i won't get to awards i won't be invited in talks in regular mainstream places i will not become an arundhadiro so basically arundhadiro is is the a, a mode you know ambition of the normal indian no so the our we have been uh, this, uh, you know molded to be ambitious to become certain as characters so if i am a writer i become arundhadiro arundhadiro is my model if i am a journalist barkadath is my model so to be that what i have to be that's what everybody so that is why we are also our entire generation people are also not dare they don't dare to look at it because i have uh, uh, with this unyarcha story i just went through looked in youtube if there is anything then i saw certain youtube uh, videos made by i mean i was just uh, was looking what is the narrative in there then so, so in this vadakan particle is there to study in ba ba bsc malayalam in kerala so because of that certain people have made small videos regarding how to ex- explaining the uh, syllabus you know how to all what for the students so all those people who explain things they are they don't dare to tell that jonaga is mapla jonaga sar maplas they tell jonaga and then no one think i think nobody think who is what is jonaga they just rattamarna is our ability you know so we just don't think when we prepare for exam when we study in school college we just jonaga jonaga what is jonaga we don't think because that thinking is not encouraged in our education process so what happens is that you just jonaga we just without even knowing the meaning just going through is our habit so we just go through we don't even ever think about who what is jonaga but i remember and uh, as a child i read some uh, amar chitra gada kind of malayalam uh, about unyarcha i read in that the picture of the rough, the rowdies were the clothing all wear of the moplas so that picture which remains in my head has been the reason why i was i got this idea clear in my mind so something which we i think that uh, in our schools we lose that if we think it is jonaga is mapla and instead of jonaga we write mapla we will lose our marks but actually what you wrote is right so that and and then the thing is why we are made into such a submissive 
you know brainless people through our education because if we know the story see i i am from vayanad which is part of this area which I, the story goes on that is through which we tipu came so the rest uh, if, uh, people who have um, who dig dig the land for building houses and all some have got some gold and all and then people used to tell that might have been hidden during uh, uh, when people fled fearing tipu's invasion and there are temples which have been broken the jain temple broken is there near my house so it's all tipu broken we know that and sultan's battery is the name of a place which so tipu is narrative everyone knows and people name dogs as tipu so you know that attitude but still when you study in school you study tipu sultan as a great patriot and you know freedom fighter and blah blah and you write it all and you don't think connect this both why you don't connect this both connecting that both is prohibited in our system and and then we are forcefully molded in such a way that we blame ourselves we blame our ancestors we blame the hindus for and then uh, comes out all these hindu swabhiman talks and uh, the other side of the uh, angle spectrum who the hindu activism and everything we talk about hindu swabhiman there also then random people when hear all the our talks and everything in youtube or social media whatever we write when they think they think like oh our ancestors didn't fight back see our ancestors fought back that's why we exist that's the point but that thought is not coming because we are designed to um, be ashamed of our past we are designed to be like uh, this guilt tripping the hindus and making hindus apologetic is the basic aim so because if you are not apologetic you may fight back our ancestors were not apologetic that's why they fought back and that's why the still india is hindu majority but thousand years of struggle it has been regular struggle even british everyone say 1857 first war of independence why it is called first war of independence first war of independence it's drilled into our head whatever um, fight back happened before is then can be brushed aside so that uh, all what happened all these small small fights happened is everyone who did fight as they can and that happened through all over india so how can we say that first war of independence is the first pan indian movement it wasn't all over india if you look there is each and every corner you can see uh, fighting resistance against british portuguese from portuguese onwards there is resistance the same with the uh, islamic group so there has been always resistance resisting is part of the hindu legacy but this way of thinking itself is prohibited if we think like this we won't get marked if you think like this you won't get upsc <laughs> and then if we have the if, then, if you don't think like this only you will get ias and ips and all so those people who are in the system and who build the system they are those people who don't think like this understand and that's the reason why we have karnataka government uh, declaring tipu jayanti you know out of all the uh, uh, people we could have uh, made jayanti out of they really thought that tipu jayanti is what uh, the state needs um, so that's the tragedy of of uh, you know free india Um, yeah. 
could you i think the gentleman uh, uh, talked about uh, something that you're doing dharma for people could you just talk briefly about it before we close it uh, if there are no more questions i would really uh, love to hear a little bit about that um i have been in twitter and all social media so through seeing some um attacks on at the sabarimala temple and all we because as i told we cannot blame the people hindus of current hindus of kerala for anything what is happening in kerala because all what have they are the ones who are who have stood firmly so with my uh, observation and experiences and and all what we had in our um, you know when my the people are, are, are with whom i interacted all were having the strong conviction that kerala's people are not for changing the traditions of shabarimala temple so with that confidence we thought we do something and we started a campaign in social media which became very viral so using showing that as the evidence of kerala uh, so it's a which was a women campaign so the women came forward and show, told that they don't want the change in tradition so uh the, using that as a, as the uh, evidence because that's kind of clearly showing that what the people whom you want to empower they don't want that so they are telling you don't they don't want that that doesn't that means that you don't need to empower now so that as an evidence we we thought okay we go to the court and tell the court because already the case is running so in the case we tell so for so that is how we so for going such in such an extent to the supreme court and all we need a, to bring build our own uh, permanent organizational setup so that's how we started people though for dharma trust for joining the shabrimala case and uh, then we got so so for that case we got advocate saidi bag as our lawyer so then start that brought in many like minded brilliant people together so people for dharma trust uh, could not just shabarimala we didn't stop with shabarimala case we could uh, be the voice of the people so what we mean by people for dharma is that uh, see all that all these cases which some people go and uh, file to bring in some social justice in a temple they file the case against the temple trustee or temple board mm? and then they put then the court and everybody put government the indian state or the state government as the representative of the people the people's voice is according to the court is given by the court the government but although it is democracy the government's voice is not the stakeholder the hindu temples people concerning the hindu temple are the hindus and government's voice often is not the voice of the hindu community and that is what we saw in padmanabha swami temple and pashavarimala temple so we thought we at least there should be somebody who are there to voice the people's opinion because government is not representing the people when government fails the people there should be somebody else the people should go themselves to talk about the, their thing so that is the basic idea of the name people for dharma and in chapatmanabha swami temple we could be the voice of the people because means our job people's job is to support the 
our king, our royal family. So that's how the Padmanabha Swami Temple case we joined. And there's several other. Then since we have an institutional setup, it's easy. That's the idea, basic, uh, you know, thing with the building institution. If you have an institution, it's easy to move forward. It is easy to do things rather than being an individual or an informal collection of individuals. It's easier to have an institution and use that institution to make a difference. So we have been doing, I mean, involving in, you know, issues relating to state control of temple and, you know, make defacement of temples in the name of renovation, similar things in Tamil Nadu, Kerala, and even in Puri temple, Jagannath temple when they, so later we have also formed the Indic Collective Trust which also is well known in Facebook, in Twitter. And then with this ready to eat movement of Shabarimala movement, it's a woman uh, movement where the women of Kerala, the native, not Kerala, the Hindu woman clearly said the Western feminists that you are not representing us. We have our own voice. So with that, as a logical culmination of this movement, we formed uh, Shaktitva Foundation. Neha Srivastava is the founder, and I'm also part of it. Um, so Shaktitva Foundation is registered in US, but the basic aim is to build in the narrative for the Hindu from the Hindu women's perspective, which is where the Western feminism is completely not in. Uh, you know, you know no, not having any connection with the Hindu women. It's not at all the narrative of the Hindu women. So talk about Hindu women's experience uh, and Hindu how the uh, women-centric narrative or uh, women's studies of the about the Hindu uh, civilization should go. So that's what we try to build in through the Shaktitva Foundation. So these are the three organizations which was formed as a result of the Shabrimala uh, movement. If I want to know the correct uh, narrative or uh, picture of uh, Varnashram and uh, societal structure, then what are the primary sources? I've uh, referred a few books by K.S. Lal, the historian. Uh, can you uh, suggest any more books or material to know the correct societal structure? I'm not a very religion uh, specialist, one thing. And Varnasrama and uh, uh, Jadi, all this angle, none of the academicians actually do any justice to that in my understanding. And I haven't done a lot of study. I haven't delved into it much because uh, I, for a thing, um, have an opinion that what is pertaining to the religion, what is pertaining to the uh, uh, you know the dharma. We we trying to look it, look it through the lens of this uh, this linear lens of this academic uh, studies. We cannot really make a sense of it. That's what because see, ex, if, rishis for so rishis have seen Vedas. That's what we see. We we learn now. Actually, it is possible to see Vedas. That see, not Vedas. See is what I understand from the various practitioners. 
various upasagas. So this aspect of upasana is is something which empowered most of the Hindu intellectualism in the past and the present. See, Ramanujan, Srinivasa Ramanujan has seen the formulas because God is, his family deity showed it him. him. That's what he saw. He told for an academic from this our general academic uh, perspective, this can be absurd. This can be superstition. They may mock it off. But for a Ubasaga, it is possible. So that is the um, you know difficult. What you say, dis- uh, disparage between a practitioner and a pure academic, just pure head in intellectual use only the human head. No, so that distance between these two is there in the academic studies about the Varnashramam, Jadi, and all. That's what I understand, and uh, I haven't put much effort in learning all these things. First of all, I'm not uh, uh, belonging to any Jadi or Varnashramam or anything. So because of that, I haven't had any sanskaras in the. You know, I'm not a, 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 a not having the adhigara to learn the Vedas or anything. So because of which I, yeah, that's not my thing. So I have many other aspects to work, look on and learn on. So I don't really look into or try to be the master of that, which I anyway is not. So I didn't look much into that. <laughs> there has been a lot of uh, debates going on. I have seen. And I have a side to take a side, you don't need to be a well, very much uh, learned. You don't need to be a PhD scholar to take a side on something. But to be give an informed opinion on something, you need to be a PhD. You know, being a you PhD scholar is better than being a 10th standard student in, in physics or chemistry or anything. And I think our scriptures are also should get that value of you know, same as the, not just scriptures, the entire knowledge system should get the value we give to the modern academic subjects or science. I mean, physics, to a physicist, no one going to fight, you know, with their normal internet knowledge. But to a Vedic scholar, people go and fight. Because that in that respect is not there in the people's mind. So I feel building that respect is more important than learning all these things. I mean, I could, I am in this, I am not in the setup to learn that. So I am very, not very aware of the things. So I didn't even try to find out which books are there. <laughs> what exactly drove you from these biased uh, history and, you know, syllabus in the school to move into this path to rediscover the Indic heritage and the re- true narrative of, uh, you know, the Indic uh, culture and history. What exactly was that driving force for you to move into this domain and not become Arundhati Roy and Barakhadats, as you said? Yeah, first thing is I am not too ambitious. Be not being very ambitious is something. See, I never aspire to be the first rank. I, I mean, I never be wanted to fail in exams, but I never wanted to be the first rank. There are people like that. I think I don't know. My mother had a big headache because of my that attitude. I used to sleep a lot and all. But I was confident that I won't fail. I will get uh, this thing, some good normal marks I will get. But 
not having that too much oh i want to be that that pushiness make someone uh, be an aspire to be an arundhati roy first of all no matter what whatever information you get also you will not uh, you know settle for anything other than being the best then you will always be striving for it that's there another thing prompting with me is uh, my mother is a, was a history teacher in school kerala government high school teacher so for from my very young age onwards i have been having well in touch with the textbooks i mean her textbooks we will read anyway her answer papers and all which comes there we just look and you know so there has been a um from small age onwards this fact so history is all about facts and figures in the basic aspect narrative narrative interpretation and will come later base is uh, facts and figures if you have the facts and figures then only you can interpret and analyze or build any narrative so facts and figures were the general indian gen- history syllabus in schools facts and figures were no good for me because i had this ex- exposure and then i i went for upsc there i uh took history as my subject so then i study there you learn to interpret and analyze also but then the thing and also read a lot of books most are the mainstream marxist uh, historians books bibin chandra raumila thapar that all i what i read but the thing is for example tipu i told him tipu came through our area so i know who tipu was a destroyer but we what we learn is totally different and then we think so one of our one professor who was teaching that time upsc coaching time he used to say a history student should always read in between line yeah i indeed read in read in between line that's one aspect and i was not i didn't went through the uh, you know i wrote mains and all but didn't got through so not being getting through made it uh, all this knowledge for nothing no <laughs> that's the thing with upsc so uh, but the habit of reading and everything continues and social media gave an opportunity to yeah so the basic so i already had a temperament in this side you know this for example the tipu thing and everything no being political correct is was not that very is not very easy for me anyway that's personality stuff so overall that was there and then in social media is facebook twitter and all you clear go rather than in the general life in the normal life we see all kind of attacks on hinduism in social media so all these people who sit and write and so the people have been writing a lot of things things like uh, uh, that sahashayanam with the this uh, hose in ashwamedha what all things have been writing some for you not uh, 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 these people they are the ones and <laughs> so then we get see, seeing all this for example see uh, talking very bad about draupadi i always used to preferred to see draupadi you know for a woman the, the entire clan entire country came to fight and she not tying her hair until her being avenging her the dishonor she had to face 
that aspect is what we in malayalam and all when we read in normal books you know purana books and all no that is what we learn or the spiritual uh, writings happens in newspapers also that is how it comes but when an intellectual academic kind of buddhijeevi or atheist people write they go in a different different way and when we are we are with the mindset of the other favoring the other side it pains so and i being in germany i got more time so i started writing because doing some i cannot see something and just sit and repeat the things and just sit so i started writing so because to write you do more research so that is the reason so there is no clear turning point or anything but more attacks comes more inspiration to correct the narrating you know that is there and then um, i was working in government in kerala in finance department so that time i had seen how it works in government and how things goes so um when lot of uh, accusations of this happens that happens and all happens in social media also more inform informed uh, opinion making could happen i think so it's a gradation gradually it all became so for shaktitva what uh, blog when uh, women's day and see i can i won't i won't be able to think about uh, or know more about a, such a character like unniarcha who might have been in some, somewhere in rajasthan i i may not know i know from rajasthan and all i may know only who are shown in the mainstream narrative from my part of the country i could know people so that is so then i thought that is something which we can do bring in those who have been you know completely hidden by the mainstream narrative we have the opportunity to bring them in 